Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midtown Conversations here on Midtown Radio. My name is Allison Dijak, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Ben Gorodetsky. Ben is a performance maker, writer, and producer based here in Kitchener. He has a resume full of unique experiences that weave together theater, improv, teaching, filmmaking, dance, comedy, and community building in unique ways. Ben has moved around from his hometown of Vancouver to Edmonton and New York for school. Since moving to town, he has founded Pinch, an organization that celebrates performing arts in all its forms. So let's dive right in. Welcome to Midtown Radio. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me, Allison. Good morning, Kitchener. Hello, how are you doing? Um, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty happy, pretty content. It's the... Right right now, we're recording in the mysterious past, and it's like the the end of summer, and we're just beginning to catch the first whiffs of fall, and that sort of transition has got me feeling... A little bit poetic. I mean, I always feel a little bit poetic, but there's like a shade more more uh, symbolism in the air or whatever. And I feel, uh, yeah, I feel really happy to be here and to be settled. It's our first um, first year of living in Kitchener is coming up in September. We moved it last year, so it feels like uh, momentous. Yeah, that's awesome. So, like you said, you just moved to Kitchener. I'm curious why Kitchener was the choice. I mean, thinking about your education and work, like I would think Toronto, like such a big theater scene and everything. But I'm glad you ended up here. Why Why did you choose Kitchener? Yeah, it's a funny story. In, in, in lots of ways, Kitchener chose me rather than the other way around. Um, what happened was... Um, it was 2020. We were so we were living in New York, but I'd gotten a cool gig teaching, like filling in for a professor who was going on sabbatical. So I was teaching three courses at UBC Okanagan in Kelowna, and it was like a dream job, and I was delighted. And my partner got permission to work remotely before the whole world went remote. This was January to April 2020. So we like subletted our apartment in Brooklyn and um, packed up three months worth of stuff with our, uh, at the time, two-year-old kid and lived in this basement in Kelowna with flights booked back for mid-April to go back to our home and our stuff and our lives. Um, But we never went back because um, the plague raged and New York was the epicenter and we were like, ah, no thank you. (laughs) Not the place you want to (laughs) be. So then it was a question of like, well, where can we wait this out? How do we just like, um, how do we hunker down for for a hot minute? And uh, I have family in Vancouver, like you mentioned, Um, but Vancouver is dense and expensive and we, we like playgrounds were closed. Everything was closed. It was just like, we need space. We need like we need a yard. That's the first time in my life that I've ever been like, I need a yard. Um, before I lived in like minuscule footprints in New York and lived outdoors and in public and uh, proudly pushed my toddler around on subways all day every day. But suddenly it was like, we need a little bit of space. And so my sister-in-law generously offered up her place in Waterloo, like right at the edge near Laurel Creek Conservation Area, like St. Jacob's. So like the country, country. And we were like, okay, we're going to wait it out. You know, hell, it might be 
a month. It might even be two months. We'll just see how long this pandemic goes for and then we'll go back to New York. And then months went by and years went by and it became apparent that it was never going to end. And we had acclimatized to the um, physical and ecological geography of, of that place. We looked at a lot of frogs and collected a lot of Saskatoon berries and wild ramps and um, mushrooms and things and fell in love with that part of Waterloo. And as the city emerged, as the community emerged from the pandemic, I started to see the art that was happening here. And that also was delightful to me. And we were kind of like reaching a paragraph break in our lives. And it was like, we knew we couldn't continue in New York forever because it's a meat grinder and like brutal and (laughs) amazing, but just a heavy experience. Um, So I was like, okay, well, we're going to like build a life and set down roots somewhere. And how about, how about here? And Waterloo wasn't exactly our speed. We were like, let's go closer to like where the culture is, where the gallery is (laughs) and the good bakeries are and the theaters and the parks and the like diverse people and you know like density Not suburbia <laughs> exactly and so we found uh central frederick where we live now and um and that's been like dreamy a walkable neighborhood and 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 the thing was like it was the pandemic and i didn't know anyone i'd come here during the pandemic everything was closed it was illegal and unethical to do live art which is like all i'd ever done so i was the most depressed i'd ever been in my whole life and absolutely just like a wretched puddle of a human being Mm -hmm. so i was like how can i do do me better how can i do right and i was like oh i gotta i gotta meet everyone who's cool in town so i'll produce a variety show that's that's the only way i know how were there when things started to open up were there like specific places or spaces or communities that you like connected with strongly, like obviously the art scene. But there, were there like specific places that you felt like really connected to when things yeah, started Yeah, when like Arabella Beer Park was the first patio we went to as it felt okay to go to a patio again. And, and it was like good beer and tasty food and the plates were pretty and yeah. the servers <laughs> had cool tattoos. And I was like, yes, I feel at home. <laughs> and then... Um, Seeing, uh, seeing visual art at, at Quag at the Kitchener Waterloo Art Gallery and walk, stomping around in that in that area, which now, now I live. But at the time, we like biked over there and we're like, oh, cool. There's old churches and like downtown and art. We saw a show that Greenlight Arts produced in the like Kitchener Market that like Equi Parkade zone. Yeah. And I don't remember that much about the show, but I remember like seeing people and being like, oh, there's people who like theater and this is this is sick as hell. And then uh, Impact Festival also had some live shows and saw saw some dance. Just like, yeah, these flashes of like my people, my people stuff, you know, values the like Venn diagram of like uh, what I love and what you love in it coalesces together in a in a shared space which initially was like all weird unorthodox site specific outdoor performances which is also in general what i like but in this case it had to be that because of covid yeah but yeah those were the things that that sparked love i love it um so tell me a bit about where your passion for the arts came from i mean was it like a certain turning point that you recall or like something that was always there when you were growing up? Like, was it in your home a lot, doing a lot of art or music or drama? 
Where did that come from? Yeah, it was my parents. It was Regina and Eugene uh, were the were the two uh, culprits in that in that crime. Um, <laughs> I was born ten days after my parents immigrated to Canada. My mom was nine months pregnant on the plane from the Soviet Union. And uh, when they arrived, the Soviet Union shortly thereafter fell apart and they were like citizens of no nation. And I was a Canadian, but they were like nationless and, and like rootless and contextless. And um, for them, culture and language and art was like foundational to like f- feeling an identity as, as kind of immigrants and as people without a um, clear place that they were from. Like they were... Russian-speaking Jews from Eastern Ukraine who were Soviet citizens but then became no citizens. It was just like mm-hmm. these sort of layers of identity that were like yeah. dizzying. And um, so they took us to see plays constantly. My dad organized and continues to organize Russian alternative folk music festivals, like dissident political folk, like hairy, hairy dudes in the woods oh. with guitars. <laughs> and um, um, my mom uh, is is really passionate about like physical performance. She's like a yogi and also loves dance. And we would always go see dance together and mm-hmm. and go see art together. It just like every formative experience I had as a kid with art was them being like, "Look, look, isn't this interesting?" And then eventually, <laughs> it was both of us dragging. One, it became mutual. It wasn't just them dragging me. I was dragging them. And like, um, I remember my. Dad introduced me to Bell and Sebastian, and then I introduced him to Silver Jews and whatever. You know, it was just like mm-hmm. there was a mutuality there, and um, and then they. But then, concurrent to that was this like culture thing where they saw so many immigrants losing their language and losing their connection to their um, history, and so they put me in um, a Russian youth theater in Vancouver to kind of help preserve the language. So at age nine, I started acting in a theater ostensibly to preserve language, but then like the bug bit and started acting in plays. And, and then they took me to improv for my like grade six birthday party. And I was like, Oh, that I'll do that for the rest (laughs) of my life. So that's, yeah, there's, there's more, more to say there, but like truly they are the, they are the wellspring of that whole, whole song and dance. Beautiful. Oh, so so all of this, like childhood, all of those experiences have led to you having a really extensive resume um, and collection of these projects you've been a part of, like, as you mentioned, dance. Um, I know you've done some short films, teaching, performing improv and comedy, producing cabarets and theater. And then also so many of these projects combine all these aspects together, which I love. Um this is a very tough question, but do you have a discipline that you gravitate towards or one that you're maybe feeling drawn to like currently? I'd say in lots of ways, improvisation, the the verb, not the noun, mm-hmm. is like a through line through everything I do. I like to have a degree of flexibility and chance, whether I'm telling jokes or making a very serious video art film, mm-hmm. like the 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 kind of what John Cage would call chance protocol, you know, just like letting stuff surprise you and not looking for, um, not looking for like a rigid clamped down finality to the work. So, you know, with live work, that's easier to do because it's like different every time with video work. I try and edit in an improvisational way where it'll be about rhythm more than it is about, um, 
narrative with like curation when I'm doing a variety show like I try not to have firm hard and fast rules about like the show should always have this spread of people like I have a show coming up with pinch that features a bunch of music and usually I only ever have one music act but just like three different musicians who kind of cover, cover some different ground but are all three musicians all wanted to be on the show and the timing was like okay so let's just have one where it's like there's going to be an improvising pianist and there's going to be like an indie folk singer and then there's going to be like an 80s power ballad like TikTok star <laughs> and that I mean that does embody variety but just like if I had held fast to my own rule of like it's a variety show I wouldn't program three musicians but it's like no you know what let people surprise you put people on the bill who are um maybe going to be bad or maybe going to be super green or maybe going to be like alienating just like kind of <laughs> kind of a yes yes to everything approach with the caveat of like don't don't be hateful don't be um don't, yeah. don't, don't be a troll of course uh, but no i'm a glutton for like variety and i don't want to be tied down to a discipline and also like i'm not good enough at any one thing to like <laughs> get too deep into one like i'm 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 not good enough as an actor, good enough as a dancer or as an editor or as a curator. I just want it all. And I want to like be making stuff that continues to delight. And I hope to continue changing that throughout my life. Change is good. Keep that brain flexible and, and soft instead mm -hmm. of hard and hard and set. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Pinch, uh, which you mentioned a few times. Uh, it's sort of the big project in Kitchener-Waterloo you're currently working on. Where did the name come from? I'm so curious. Oh, that's a great question. I don't even know if I can firmly recall. I could I could make up a nonsense <laughs> origin story. I the the only kind of clear thing I remember is I was driving in the car with my partner and I was like, it's gotta be one word. Okay. I don't wanna do multiple words. I'd had a show in Edmonton that in lots of ways was the inspiration and, and like form that I'm looking to pay homage to here which was the dirt buffet cabaret and uh, it was a variety show in partnership with mile zero dance which is an amazing contemporary dance company and like kind of freak magnet for all of the like experimental arts people in, in edmonton cool. and um their their ad jerry marita kind of like mentored me for for years and years and years about like what it is to have that yesness about you and like to to be a freak magnet who can also <laughs> re remove remove the clinging freaks if, yeah. if, if necessary. I love it. Um, what's my point? My point is that show had many words in the title and I was like, for this one, I just want one. Mm -hmm. I want one syllable. It's got to be a single syllable. And so we were just thinking of like, what is the most evo evocative syllable um, <laughs> it, or evocative single monosyllabic thing? And um, pinch is, uh, there's like a tactile quality to it and, it and it's both playful, but also like a tiny bit um, chaotic. Like yeah. it, it's also a little pervy. It's also, it's, it's a, it also can mean steel. It can also mean like, you know, to attack in a light way. I don't know, a pinch in cooking. I'm, I love, I love to cook. There's ways to read it. It's just got like, it's got some nice uh, polyphonic legibility. So yeah. yeah, that's it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. When I think of it, I always think of like 
that cartoon, like whatever it is, that crab cartoon that's like, I pinch, I pinch. I don't even know what that's from. I can't remember. Some Someone that's listening will know. But <laughs> that's all I think of. And I think, well, that makes me smile. It's playful. So, so it works. <laughs> um, so for folks that haven't heard of Pinch, um, your website describes it as a hub for performing arts in Kitchener-Waterloo. And you have sort of three aspects to it. Um, a cabaret show that we talked about a bit, um, a comedy show, and improv classes. Which one came first? Good question. The variety show was first because mm-hmm. it was me like trying to meet people, and it was early pandemic, so it was on the back deck of the Branches Yoga Studio, like outdoors. Okay. And the first show was great. The weather was wonderful, and the second show was wretched. It rained, <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this outdoors anymore. And it also was like September and then October, and I was like, no, November is... Yeah. And I had planned on November outdoors, and then like a week before, I was like, no, nah, we got to go indoors. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, the variety show was a way to meet people. And, you know, like, it's just hard to communicate how... <laughs> lonely and alienating it was to like be in a brand new place Mm -hmm. with none of the like people nor activities nor like social structures by which I mean like theaters and comedy spaces and galleries and dance venues operating and not knowing anyone and like a few kind people kind of introduced me to you should know this person and I would have a zoom with them about it yeah and you should meet this person (laughs) and I'll have a zoom with them but it was like I have to meet them in person. So like a bunch of those people who I'd met over Zoom, Kiran Myers, who's like a playwright and poet, I was like, come to the show. Um, uh, and, and and a handful of other folks. It was just like, let's meet in real life as, as safely as we can to like make it real. So meeting people was important. And then that was like meeting my peers. And then improv wise, I was just like, I want to meet people who are interested in this this discipline that I have deep knowledge and passion for. So it was like meeting my peers and then meeting my community. Uh, that came second, offering classes also on that back deck, like poetry wow. can, improv jams, come come play, we'll like improvise all together. It's not a formal workshop, but it will, I'll present a few ideas and then we'll put those ideas into practice up on our feet, yada, yada. Um, and then comedy shows is very recent, but a delightful addition um, specializing or focusing in on sort of the shades of variety that exist in in jokes, mm-hmm. in stand-up jokes of a single person alone at the microphone or improvised jokes where it's like theatrical scenes of discovered between two or mm-hmm. three people, um, comedic burlesque, um, comedic song. So, you know, programming all, all sort of varieties. Yeah, well, I want to talk a bit about the Pinch Cabaret because it's the one that I've attended out of the three, the three events. Um, so it's a cabaret variety show made up of like five or six performers. I know the numbers kind of fluctuate sometimes and like a wide variety of talents. You were speaking a little bit earlier, like musicians, poets, actors, comedians, drag, burlesque. I saw a belly dancer when I was there. I know there's a magician coming up soon. So it's like really a celebration of all the performing arts and it's been so different every month. How do you go about finding or choosing performers? I know you said it's sort of free flowing. Like are people approaching you? Are you like seeking them out on social media or through connections or how does that, the, how does the docket come together? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, to st the starting place is usually like who has SEO and that, yeah, mm -hmm. like who, who, yeah. who can I Google? <laughs> um, and that brings in some awesome folks, but it's also a certain kind of awesome folk. And then what I've, once I've met those people and shown them how amazing the audience is and how like supportive the, the whole vibe is, they, I'm like, and can you recommend your friends? It's like a pyramid yeah. scheme, basically. I'm just like, <laughs> hey, you tell a friend and you tell a friend, come do my show, I'll pay you. Um, so like to be recommended by others is crucial to that whole thing. Um, I also ask the audience every single time, like if you're in the house and you want to do something, mm -hmm. come on up. Like, not, I mean, not in this moment. I book, I book, <laughs> book several months Open out. Mic. But like talk to me. Um, tell me what you do. Yeah, I, and, and actually that's an interesting point because some people do have emailed me being like, it's an open mic and you have one next week. Can I get on? Oh. And it's like, oh, no, I, I love that. But it's November and also like, what do you do? And like, yeah. let's see it. It's it's not unjuried. I, I'm, I, I've never said no to anyone um, yet. I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I reserve that, right? <laughs> um, but like, it's about me figuring out where where you might fit and how that might be interesting for you and for the everyone and so it's it's like it's curated um yeah. so looking for people online getting their friends getting people from the audience to submit um and then also like you know we're doing it now spreading the word rattling the bushes see what birds fly out um it's not just it's it's all performing arts, but I think everything is a performing art. Like I had a chef on who did a lecture performance about dumplings. He like oh stuffed dumplings and <laughs> talked about the sociocultural inheritance of grandmothers teaching their grandchildren how to wrap dumplings and how it's a community function. And I have, um, and then he, after he performed, because my dream was like, I got to get someone from the culinary arts on. I'm like such a Epicurean and can we please have a food person on? And then he was like, this was amazing. I know a sommelier who's going who's gonna to love it. <laughs> he can romance you with like the descriptions of terroir and wine and talking about that in these like poetic performative terms. And who knows what he's going to do. Maybe he's going to let one audience member taste one, <laughs> one, one glass of wine and it'll be like... But anyways, there's something very um, infectious about the whole curation process is that like, and, and sometimes I ask people back, like Kieran yeah. Myers has been on three times and I think he's amazing and, and I love him. But also like the more you do it, the more you learn about people who don't have Googleable bits. Mm. And the more I learn about different niche directly we had a historian on who talked about the history of kitchener aka berlin and what the, the sort of like um colonial context is for that um well you know we had kez uh, vicario robinson who's an amazing trans comedian and activist and they introduced me to this whole like queer trans radical activist community who have a variety of skills but like you know like I, I met people through them what I loved was when I was there I think two of the performers it was their first performance ever like there was a musical duo I think it was one of the first times they had performed and a poet as well she said it was one of the first times she's performed her own original like poetry does that happen a lot like do you look for people that maybe they haven't like they, they haven't performed a lot before or I, I don't know, sort of 
do, do you find that that happens often? This feels like the right space for people to like perform for the first time? I think it, it can be. It's not like um, necessarily like a training wheels academy for, yes. for people's um, bravery. It, like if that happens, then that, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm, I'm delighted. I think I, I consider variety as applied to depth of experience. So it's awesome to have a newbie on at least one per show because they bring um, a nervous energy and also they've still got draw, baby. Like all of their friends and family are going to come watch them do their show. You know, like old, old crusty dogs like me don't have, uh, don't have friends (laughs) and family who care anymore about my bullshit. But like people who are doing it for the first time, have a magnetism and a nervous quality and a, just a volatility in the best sense of that word that, that is awesome. So yeah, that's like one of the dimensions of variety that I think about when bringing them on. I, and conversely, like this coming up in a couple of days, we've got like Paul Mitchell, who's this like road dog seasoned trumpeter. I think he's in his like late fifties, early sixties. He's just like a gig jazz guy who's been doing jazz since, since whenever, since yeah. the 20th century. And like, this is one of the 1,000 gigs he's doing this week. And yeah. that's awesome, too, that there's like <laughs> that they both are at home on the same stage yes. juxtapositionally. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about like the environment that happens during the show. Um, I got recommended to go because someone that I was interviewing actually um, like strongly recommended. Like they were like, it's so special. You're going to laugh. You might cry. It's amazing. Like, it's just an incredible thing that is happening in Kitchener and you have to go to it. And so, like, I got tickets, decided to go. And, like, it really was the entire time, like, I was laughing the most that I had in a very long time. I was, you know, reflecting on a lot of the performances. And I just felt like there was like this unspoken sort of agreement with the audience that like, we're just going to make this the best show ever. Like we're all going to be super affirming, super positive. It's just going to be a safe space. And like, it's going to be a fantastic time. Like how does that environment happen? How do you think that this is able to happen in the the event that you've created? Um, I think... I think sort of clearly defining the rules and expectations for an audience. And I don't mean that in like a authoritarian, <laughs> like mean nanny kind of way, but I just yeah. mean like getting them in and getting them psyched to me like, this is going to be fabulous coming in with high energy and high octane. And like, I love doing like a wrestling announcer, <laughs> like just like, it's a show. It's it's a bit it's a bit fabulous, and that's and the, and that like the lights are down in the audience, and they're up on the stage, and there's a focus, but also the audience is all seated in this semicircle where they can see one another, and there's just like um, kind of concentric circles of like we are here together. We're like enveloping this thrust stage, yeah. um, and then also like giving them permission to not like everything that way I've already kind of like deflated the thing of like it's like if someone's like oh I don't do poetry I I like I say that in the first five minutes of the show is like not everything's gonna be for everyone that's good that's what we want like it'd be so boring if it was all the same so then I think it it lowers expectations in this (laughs) wonderful way that then when they I can like let that preconception maybe go to a degree or if they actually don't like poetry then 
instead of them realizing that themselves, they're like, oh, oh yeah, he was right. And that's okay. Like, yeah. it's not about me being right all the time. It's just about like that each component of the show propels the like aerodynamics of, of the, of the variety and of this, of the spectacular variety thing that we're building. Um, it's also just like a crazy time for performing artists and there's a gratitude and there's a thirst and there's like a desperate positivity or desperate ecstasy maybe it's not guaranteed but like we lots of folks haven't performed in a long time haven't gathered in a long time we're slowly emerging out of that but you know we're on show nine and basically every show up to now has felt like oh we're finally back together and it's like well it's been almost a year (laughs) but like there still is that feeling and maybe we'll have that forever because after covid like damn that was lonely damn that was like really really isolating and so to have this togetherness and to have this like overview this broad view of like oh kitchener waterloo has drag queens and it has comedians and it has poets and it has dancers and it has chefs and it has aerialists and it has flow artists and it has sommeliers and it has historians it's just like oh this is us it's kind of this like home team rah-rah sports thing i don't know shit about sports but i think (laughs) i think i'm a cheerleader or something like i think that's what i'm doing I love it. Yeah, it was like a really special evening. And that's why, you know, we wanted to have you on the show. It's just a really, really incredible space that you've created with with these these monthly events. If you're just tuning in, my name is Allison Dijak, and I've been chatting with Ben Gorodetsky here on Midtown Conversations on Midtown Radio, KW's hyper-local radio station. Ben is the founder of Pinch, a multidisciplinary arts hub in Kitchener-Waterloo that hosts monthly cabaret nights, comedy shows, and improv classes. How has Pinch Cabaret grown since you started? I know obviously you were once on a back deck and now you're um, doing it regularly at the Button Factory in Uptown Waterloo, but how has it grown? We went from four artists to now six artists. We went from a outdoor show in the rain to an indoor show in the, who knows what the weather is outside. It doesn't matter because we're in an air conditioned loft space that is like expansive and tall and pretty and like um, has sort of, it's unclear what the space is supposed to be for like it's not clearly a black box theater and it's not clearly a bar and it's not clearly um a community center and it also is like a one billion year old literal button factory so there's a sense of history but also possibility there so i love that space for all those reasons uh we've also gotten arts grant funding which i'm so grateful for that instead of splitting door proceeds i can pay all of the artists a generous guaranteed fee and there's not a risk involved there. There's like, your time is valuable. And and like, they're doing 10 minutes, but really they're, they're doing much more. We're seeing years, or at the very least, hundreds of hours worth of like, thought and energy and feeling and hope and fear and delight all mm-hmm. climaxing in those 10 minutes. Um, so to be able to pay people is huge. Um, I also have a website now and a social media presence and that's like, 
a whole different, you know, I used to just like send out emails from my own email in the first person being like, hey, you guys, what's going on? And now it goes through MailChimp and there's a bit of like pinch is something more than just like my ragged ass screaming for come look at my friends doing yeah. bits. <laughs> Do you want it to keep getting bigger? Like, say you got to a point where you could, like, have 250 people at each of the shows or, so, you know, in who knows. But, like, would you want that? Or do you feel like where it is right now is, like, a really kind of the sweet spot? I think size-wise, we're close to the sweet spot. I think we've gotten, you know, we've it's gotten to 100 people on a few shows. Mm-hmm. Don't tell the fire department. <laughs> um, but... That is kind of, I think, as big as it wants to be, given that there's not a stage. Like, you really want the audience to feel close and all around. Yeah. Where The direction I would love for it to grow into is, like, bi-weekly. Hell, weekly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, like, and maybe that's not sustainable, but yeah. a, a girl can dream. And if there was a space that was just our own, like, if we had a venue that every week had a variety show, then I was like... Saturdays or Wednesdays or whatever. Um, And I would lose my mind and my eyeballs would fall out of my head because I would have to manage a venue and that's like (laughs) not my speed or my interest. I want to be like running, you know, hosting shows and, and, and celebrating performance. And if I had to manage a bar and a front of house staff that anyways, but that's the that's my like nightmarish desires is like a venue of our own the pinch the pinch space the pinch house yeah the pinch dungeon (laughs) what do you what do you take away from the shows each month how do you feel when they're finished or what do you go home with (laughs) oh just like a buzzing electricity lightness radiant radiant energy radiant light Mm -hmm. um it's really 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 uplifting and it's really heart opening and it's really affirming to get to create space for all these talented people and also to like feel a part of something connected like I was trying to articulate this the other day that one of the things I missed most in the pandemic times was not like quote-unquote capital M meaningful social engagement because I have a handful of close friends that I can do real real talk with and that's awesome and that's good but what I want is like a passive social buzzing beehive energy of like we're all doing something together but in but in a passive way and pinch is anything but passive but like the point is I'm not talking to every single one of those people but I'm sharing space with all of those people and that we're all like laughing together or sighing together or like scratching our heads together there's just like a a feel of of the collective we so I walk away feeling like in this um, rhizomatic network of, of like of artists and, and community members. I feel so happy. I'm glad. Yeah. Kitchener Waterloo is very lucky to have to have pinch and lucky to have you here. <laughs> My last sort of big question is, um, you know, since coming to Kitchener and doing all these pinch events, have there been or has there been a standout moment or two for you? Like you got chills, you got teary. It was a turning point moment. I'm sure that there's lots of them that have happened. Are, are there, is there one or two that stand out to you? I think the, the performance that really comes to mind 
and and performance is only part of the story. Uh, there's this artist named Alicia Pantheropoulos, who's a flow arts fire spinner person. And I'd met her and she had been meaning to come take a workshop. And I, you know, I really appreciate someone who's like an adult who wants to like continue learning and expand and play and improv is scary. And she was like, okay, I just want to try and learn. And she came and took a class and she was like, you know, it's, this is hard for me because I was in a car accident and I had a head injury and I had a concussion and I have this like traumatic brain injury that I'm still in really hard recovery from. And this is like improv is kind of extra, <laughs> extra challenging mm-hmm. given my current state. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize, you know, like, and how can I make that more accessible? Well, yada, yada. But I also know she was like this big time flow arts, mm-hmm. you know, like fire spinner, hula hoops, mm-hmm. all this kind of um, psychedelic ravey <laughs> dancey stuff. And I was like, okay, well, when you're feeling better, if you ever want, do you want to come do pinch? And she was like, yeah. And actually maybe I'll do it before I'm feeling better. And I was like, what? And she was, <laughs> so what she ended up doing was like, this piece where she created a spoken word text collage, kind of like a poetic collage, Mm -hmm. describing the process of recovering from a traumatic brain injury and how it's made all of her regular life and regular performing life next to impossible. That like when she, when she does fire dancing, Mm Then for days afterwards, she's just like incapacitated because it's so, um, takes so much out of her and her recovery is such that it like, what used to be easy isn't easy anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we're hearing this text while all the lights are out and she's dancing with these amazing LED hoops and doing this like dance. But then it's time to like, every time that like the, the text reminds you of the injury she drops her hoop and you just sort of see the process and then she's also saying she's like and by doing this show pinch i'm going to i'm gonna be fucked like for for a little while but that's the only way i can recover my doctor says i have to keep pushing the limit of what is comfortable and what is um like if if i only stayed within a safe zone then it'll take years for me to build back the plasticity whereas if i like push it to the limit and, and, and kind of hurt myself in the process that will actually help re- my brain recovery. So it's just like so many layers of like beautiful visuals, amazing poetics. And like, she's performing about performing about recovery in this global recovery period of we're all coming out of like a trauma. It was just like, and I, she, I had met her through her wanting to do art improv and, mm-hmm community looping her from the workshop onto the stage. It was just like the most amazing um, threading of a million needles in one, in one fell swoop. So that was like a real highlight. Can't wait for her to come back. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's given me chills a little bit. Wow. Um, Well, if folks have not heard of pinch or attended one of the events yet, All of our listeners out there, I really, really do encourage you to check it out. I had someone strongly recommend it to me, so now I'm strongly recommending it to all of you. The pyramid scheme continues. (laughs) Um, Ben, if people want to find out more about Pinch, I know you said you're on the social media train now. Where can they find you? Yeah, we're on Instagram at Pinch Cabaret. We're on Facebook uh, at Pinch Cabaret KW. 
Um, our website is www.pinchpinchpinch.com because www.pinch.com was too expensive to <laughs> buy as a domain, but baby can afford pinch, pinch, pinch. So that's what we got. Um, we The next one, sweet listener, the next Pinch Cabaret is Pinch Cabaret number 10 on September 17th. And just a tiny little preview of what we got. We've got um, a folk singer-songwriter, an all-woman and non-binary improv troupe, an improvising pianist, um, a poet, a belly dancer, and a sommelier on that absurd bill. Um, Amazing. And uh, and then there's one every month forever until the heat death of the universe. So <laughs> keep coming and they'll all probably be pretty different. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been like so fun. I feel like I'm re-engaging my theater kid from my, <laughs> from my high school days. It was really, really wonderful to, to learn more about Pinch. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been chatting with local performer and producer Ben Gorodetsky, founder of Pinch, a hub for performing arts in KW. You can learn more about Pinch on their website, pinchpinchpinch.com, or find them on Facebook or Instagram. This has been Midtown Conversations. I'm Allison Dijak. Have a great rest of your day.